Can you hear me? Yes, sir. I actually am recording now, so okay. everything you say will be... Used against me in a court of law. All I right. So. <laughs> so, yeah. Welcome to Wiretapping. Let's, let's start off. Um, just tell everyone who you are and where you're from. Uh, I am the infamous Kodak Kid, hailing from the Keystone State of Pennsylvania. How'd you come up with the name? Um, well, um, I, uh, have been quite an avid bencher for many, many years. And, uh, one of my partners in crime was, uh, at my house one day looking through a bunch of my photo albums. And, um, while he was looking at pictures, I was going through boxes of negatives and things that I haven't, uh, classified and filed yet. And, uh, he looked up and was like, damn, Dave, they should call you the Kodak kid. You got so, you got so many pictures and, um, you know, I had rolls of Kodak film laying around, just boxes and stuff undeveloped. And um, it just kind of hit me right then and there. I'd, um, I'd really been gaining interest in, uh, um, you know, doing streaks and monikers and stuff. And um, was pondering a name and a design for myself. And as soon as he said that, it like, click, it just hit me. And I knew exactly what I was going to draw. And, you know, and it was all downhill from there. Nice. So, um... I guess let's back up again. How how did you get into graffiti initially? Well, um, about 1982 um, is when I kind of had my first exposure to actually um, um, railroad art as far as monikers go. Um, I was also traveling back and forth from Allentown, Pennsylvania to Philly and was seeing a lot of graffiti um, on the highways in Philadelphia and... Um, and some of the freight cars that were rolling by. That's when I had first seen it. Um, and uh, the monikers um, were in Allentown. I used to, uh, I was living in a group home, and uh, we used to go down at the railroad tracks and hang out and party in the summertime and after school, and it was kind of a place to take girls and stuff, and they had a little little siding that's not there anymore um, with boxcars, and uh, I used to see stuff on the boxcars, and you know, we thought it was the older kids that used to hang out down there, and um, um, I never really paid much attention to it, but I had remembered, you know, some of the drawings and the names, and it didn't hit me until years later exactly what I was looking at and uh, where it was coming from. So um, that's when I had my first exposure to that, and um, actually uh, in the area that I grew up in, Allentown, um, kind of like 82 that whole hip-hop wave hit that area, um, breaking and graffiti and DJing and, and MCing and b-boying and all that just, like, hit that. And everybody kind of, you know, was just, everybody flocked to, like, something, you know. Everybody was like, oh, I'm going to break or I'm going to spray paint or I'm going to this. And everybody kind <laughs> of experimented with everything, um, as did I. And um, the first thing I took to, because I was always artistic in the art, was graffiti. And I uh, started painting um, in 1983. And um, I lost interest in it in it pretty quick. Um, I actually really sucked at the time. And um, I tried breaking, and uh, I wasn't too bad at that. Um, and then I got into the music thing. And um, that's what I'd stuck with uh, for many, many years and didn't actually really start painting full-time again until about 1994, about 10 years later after I did a stint in the military. Um, came back to Allentown. Saw graffiti everywhere, ran into old friends of mine, and um, I was hooked and nonstop since then. 
So graffiti in general or graffiti on freights or... Um, graffiti in general, um, I actually started painting freights in late 94, early 95. Um, but uh, I did a couple walls out in California when I was in the military. Um, just didn't want to give that up. And um, But I never really, I just kind of did it to do it. It wasn't something that I really took serious until about 1994. I'd uh, come back from the military and uh, the whole city was bombed. Uh, a lot of my buddies that had dabbled in graffiti back in the early 80s were still doing it. And um, I was big into my DJing thing at the time. And um, a buddy of mine got me to go out and uh, started painting a flood wall that had a lot of history on it from the early 80s. Stuff still running. And uh, so I started painting that. And uh, one night we were out doing a flood wall near a small yard in Center City. And uh, we were done. And... Uh, doing a Halloween production, and uh, he was like, yeah, I want to paint. I'm like, all right, well, what else do you want to paint? Well, let's go paint those trains. And um, it's funny because I'd seen so much graph on trains and uh, photographed it, you know, for, for years prior, but never took an interest in painting them. And um, so we went and painted it. And the next day I went back, took daytime pictures of it, and um, I was like, man, you know, I just felt like I was on to something. Like, this is where I want to be. <laughs> and everything started just coming back and, I started remembering, you know, what I was seeing, all the flicks, and you know, I ran to my parents' house and started digging through stuff I had up in the attic, and, and I just was on a quest to, like, learn as much as I could, find out about every writer that's painting them, where they're painting them, where they're coming from, and um, just basically educating myself about them. So, you know, late 94 um, is when I started actually painting the trains, um, and... Uh, I mean, I was hooked right from the beginning. So who are some of those those names that you remember? Some of the people um, you wanted to... Well, from back in them days, I mean, I was seeing a lot of BFK stuff uh, coming through Allentown, Cav, um, Sign 5. Um, I used to see a lot of Midwest and West Coast stuff. Um, porn, Charlie stuff, um, Power Strip. Um, such from Arizona, I was seeing a lot of menace freights and, uh, I, I loved his stuff. And, uh, I mean, there wasn't a, a day I wasn't at the yard that I didn't see something his role in. Um, so there are some of the bigger names that I remember. Um, you know, I wouldn't say they were inspirations. Um, I haven't really kind of been inspired by anybody on the rails, but, um, just seeing the, um, the amount of trains that were rolling through with their stuff on it. You know, it was like, man, I, you know, I got to catch up to these guys, you know, I got to, you know, start painting <laughs> as many as I can because I, I kept seeing so many of their stuff, um, knew where they were from, but, um, just didn't understand how they were getting so many, you know, it was almost like they were painting them right down, you know, the tracks from where I was. So, um, those are some of the bigger names that I remember. I mean, I can't, there's, there's so many, I've, I've benched for so long and so many trains, I can't, I even begin to think of, you know everybody but um those are some of the first ones that i saw that really kind of uh you know stuck in my mind over the years were you able to eventually hook up with them and meet some of these guys um i have met i've actually been pretty blessed because i've met a lot of a lot of writers over the years um none of them guys particularly um i have met cav uh, on numerous occasions i've had the pleasure of painting with him freights um tractor trailers um, super cool guy, very level-headed. Um, he's somebody, you know, with as much as he's accomplished, you know, when I first 
had known that I was going to be meeting him, I thought, oh, you know, this guy's going to have a huge head, you know, BFK, you know, it's, it's going to look at me and be like, get out of here, you peon. But he was super, <laughs> super down to earth. Um, Paulie's a really great guy. And, uh, um, you know, we, we got the pleasure of painting together many a time. So, you know, I consider him a friend, but really good guy. But I mean, there's tons of people that I've met and painted with some real prominent heavy hitters in the freight game. Um, but none of the original guys that I, uh, you know, was influenced by or had seen on the rails when I first started taking pictures. What about Menace? It's it's cool that you mentioned him. I'm just wondering if you ever had a chance to. I haven't. Um, I haven't, and, and it was funny because for, for a few years I was always trying to, uh, you know, people that I were talking with and stuff. Um, you know, hey, do you know Menace? Do you know anybody that knows this guy? Because I've got tons of his freights, and uh, you know, I always wanted to be able to to bless him possibly with some freights that you know might have escaped him that he didn't get flicks of or whatever. Um, you know, but um, I never had that opportunity. Yeah, he was. I only asked because he was big into trading. So, ah, uh, same that, and so was I over the years, and I've traded with a lot. So it's kind of funny that uh, you know we've uh, missed each other in that respect. <laughs> so, so did you say you were benching even before you were painting trains? I was. Yes, I was. Um, where I lived, um, I lived actually between Allentown and Bethlehem in, a, in like a group home um, for like trouble teens. You know, badass teens. I was always in trouble, always fighting when I was younger, and. Uh, <laughs> I lived in foster homes mostly all my life, and um, this was like kind of a last option place for me to stay out before I graduated. And um, the tra- it was, you know, about four blocks from the yard, and um, that was really the only place where we could kind of hang out without the cops, you know, bothering us. Um, you know, in town and stuff, there's really nothing to do. It's a very old steel town. Um, nothing for kids. So, you know, we'd get on the railroad tracks and, and smoke and, and drink beers that we'd steal and, you know, throw rocks at passing trains. I mean, just stupid kid shit. And, uh, you know, I was seeing stuff and, uh, you know, I, I got real addicted into looking to see what I was going to see next. And, uh, you know, and then I just started taking flicks of the stuff and uh, kind of associated that in with the whole hip-hop thing, you know, because we were, you know, listening to Run DMC and Africa Bambada, and we're sitting down to railroad tracks, and graffiti's rolling by, and it just, everything kind of fit in together, you know? Hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, I stayed photographing that, um, even through the military. Um, I was stationed out in San Diego. There wasn't a whole lot of train activity in San Diego, but, um, you know, I did manage to see some stuff that would come to customer spots and stuff like that, so... Um, I didn't get a whole lot of time to flick while in the military, but um, while I was stationed there, um, I took advantage of you know being able to flick that stuff. When I came home on leave or on um, you know holidays and stuff like that, I'd go over to the yard again, see what was over there, take flicks of it, uh, catch up with stuff that my friends were flicking. Um, so you know the benching thing really started probably about 1985 um, when I was really into you know, flicking everything that I was seeing, so. Huh. So what were, what were some freights that you saw in 85? <laughs> um, well, in 85, like, I was flicking monikers. Um, I don't remember all the stuff that I was seeing in 85, but uh, so closer, there, were... there, wasn't, there wasn't a whole, whole lot that was on the rails at that time. Right. Um, I mean, you know, you'd see a line go by, and you'd be lucky if you saw... You know, two pieces on, on a 70 car line. Um, I remember seeing, for some reason, we had kind of a direct connect between Allentown and Philadelphia. And I used to get a lot of those Conrail auto cars 
um, you know, the extended flats and stuff, and I'd see Bray stuff on there, Sue Rock. Um, as we started getting into the early 90s, um, a lot of Crispo and Pre stuff. Um, but back in them days, you know, BFK was pretty much what I what I would see in, in stuff that I knew was coming from the West Coast. I knew they were West Coast cars, so I assumed the stuff on them was from the West Coast. And I didn't catch on till you know, a little while later that, you know, people were writing area codes, um, you know, on their pieces. I still do that. I don't know anybody that really does that anymore, but I still do that. Um, but, you know, I kind of learned, oh, where's this area code? And I had a little map and I'd look and I'd be able to tell what state they were coming from. Uh, but, uh, you know, um, I have, you know, a lot of New York stuff, a lot of stuff that, um, a lot of those guys aren't painting anymore, but they were painting like the Sunnyside yard, um, um, Smith and, uh, had some cycle stuff and, um, I can't even think of all the people. Hmm. Uh, but you were, a lot of New York stuff I'd see in a lot of Philly stuff. You were flicking monikers as well back then? Yeah. I mean, oh, just yeah. anything you saw in trains. <laughs> um, pretty much anything. Most of the stuff I was flicking was right where we would hang out at. Like I said, there was a siding there. It was actually more than a siding. Um, it wasn't a single track. It was about six tracks wide. But the cars would sit there for like weeks at a time. And then they'd kind of move out and they'd have, you know, put more cars in there. But it was kind of like a separate spot from the yard. Because um, the yard was to my right down, and it's about a 60-track wide yard. Um, it's like a main switchyard. They have a hump and everything. And this kind of was at the end of the hump, but it wasn't part of the hump. It was kind of weird. But, um, you know, I, I, I was seeing stuff back then. Um, old Gypsy Sphinx. Um, Charlie Brown was a name. I saw a lot of Herbie stuff. Um, I can't even remember. I mean, names that I've never, ever seen again. You know, just off the wall. You know, um, boxcar Jimmy rides to Santa Fe, like just craziness, you know. <laughs> um, and it was funny, because like I said, you know, when I first started seeing this stuff, I thought it was kids, um, the older kids, because we used to sneak down there, and the older kids used to chase us out. We weren't cool enough or old enough to hang out down there. And uh, we actually thought it was those guys that were riding on these cars. And, um, you know, years later, I started, when I researched this stuff, and I started to find out that this stuff was coming from, you know, out in the West Coast and, you know, wherever. So it was actually really, it just sparked my interest even more. Hmm. So were any of the, you know, were any of your friends taking photos of all this stuff? Or was it just you? Uh, no, no, I was doing mostly the train stuff. Um, I know my friend has a few flicks of freights, but uh, they were flicking mostly all the wall stuff. I mean, he's, okay. he's got... You know, a lot of endless photo albums of uh, subways and, uh, you know, black books and, uh, you know, wall pieces and stuff like that. So I'm pretty much the, the guy out of all the crew, so to speak, that has all the, the freight flicks. Hmm, cool. Uh, we, were, we were talking earlier um, about when you really got into benching, when you were, um, you were talking about how your friend would go on the other side of the line and so you guys right. made sure you'd get everything. Right. When, when was that? What year was that? Um, that was probably like 96, 95, 96, um, up until probably about 2000, 2002. Um, we were pretty, uh, for the most part, when we could get on the same schedule, um, we were pretty much inseparable when we came to benching. Um, and who was this? Um, my boy Ryan. Okay. And, um, we would, uh, 
you know, okay. get both sides of the line and just compare afterwards, you know, and get filmed. I mean, run right to the store and get an hour developing and, you know, get the pictures back and uh, see who caught what on what side, you know, who got the better flicks. Um, and I know uh, quite a few people do that. And, you know, that's, that's the way to uh, really nail down a line because I hate when I'm benching by myself. I'm on one side and I'm thinking, damn, I don't know what I'm missing on the other side, you know. And I used to think that, you know, God, this has got to suck, you know, uh, what's on the other side? So, uh, we had, you know, we had really shitty cameras, but we were able to, uh, you know, get a good amount of pictures and not, not pretty much miss anything, you know? Hmm. And then years later, I wound up getting a scanner and that really made things good because I'd be able to catch, um, I'd be able to tell exactly what was coming on what line where, because Allentown's a pretty, pretty big hub, man. I have the CPRL that comes through there, um, on the other side of the river, I have all the intermodal stuff, all the auto racks come through there. You get some freight that comes through there, anything that bypasses the yard. And then I got uh, the east and west ends of the yard stuff. I mean, there's just so many areas. You can't be everywhere at once. So um, a scanner was really helpful once I got all the frequencies and stuff to know, you know, if I was at the yard and I knew something was coming in on the CP line, I could zip over there and, uh, you know, catch that stuff before it got in the yard. So, and it was... Um, Definitely made benching a lot easier. So you got everything, anything that came through Allentown, you had <laughs> pretty, pretty much, yeah, pretty much. And um, it, you know, it's gone in spurts. Um, you know, some some years it seems like you know, like for instance, um, in like 2002 up into like 2004, man, all I was seeing was sigh, sigh every freaking day. Sigh pieces were on. Sometimes I'd see a line come in with three or four sigh pieces on it. Um, so you, what year of, was this? Sorry. Um, like ninety, uh, um, like ninety eight to like two thousand two or two thousand two, two thousand four. Hmm. Um, uh, quite a few ace pieces too. But I mean, I was seeing side like on the regular, and uh, two thousand was like owner rock, tons of owner rock and next key stuff. Um, and it would go in spurts. I mean, um, you know, some writers like Mako, for instance. Uh, I believe he was out of Virginia. There'd be like three, four weeks in a row where I was catching nothing but Mako stuff. Um, but uh, it's definitely, um, you know, it's an impressive, impressive area for benching. Uh, one of the better places that I've been to in my travels for benching, the way it's set up, um, no matter what part of Allentown you go in, it's just, it's just perfect benching. So. so were there any other, I guess, spurts that you can remember? Besides, um, well, like if yeah, I say I mean, I, if I say 1997, who do you think of? '97, <laughs> uh, hmm, that's a tough one, man. Um, I don't know if I had my albums here, I'd be able to flick through them and tell you exactly what I was seeing at that time. Hmm. Um, that's tough to say. I'm not really sure, but uh, you know, some of the ones that really stick out are Psy, you know, and Owner Rock. I mean, everybody knows, you know, those guys paint a ton of freight, so. Right. It's not it's not uncommon to see a lot of their stuff. Um, you know, I'd see a lot of stuff from New York coming too. I'd seen you know a lot of Pink and Smith, um, Cycle Freights, um, Muse. You know, was a big big name. Um, uh, see a lot of Ghost stuff on uh, the gondolas and stuff. A lot of Muse um, hoppers and stuff. Um, quite a bit of nice stuff has has come through Allentown too over the years, um, but. Um, I'm going to get off of here and I'm going to go, fuck, why didn't I mention Big Five and why didn't I mention Sug and, and you know, all this other shit. But uh, there's just, there's so many, dude. 
Yeah, it's hard to say, man. I mean, I have so many photo albums, so many writers, I can't even begin to tell you, um, you know, all the different writers that I have in there. But, I mean, I have 40-some photo albums, so it's a, lot, it's a lot of people. Right. So are you still are you still keeping up with it? Do you still um, bench as much as you did? Yeah, I mean, I do from time to time. Um, I don't get, you know, the chance to bench as much as I'd like. Um, I actually re- relocated after 20 years. Um and uh, the area that I'm in now is really crappy for benching. I mean, um, you know, I got a 45-minute hour drive till I get somewhere to a mainline right. You know, it's productive. But um, I just don't have the exposure like I used to uh, up in Allentown, nor, nor at the time. You know, as you get older, you have children, you have responsibilities. Um, I mean, back then it was, you know, bench before work, bench during work, bench after work, bench weekends. Um, I mean, that's all I live for, so... Um, you know, I got the nickname Freight Hound for a reason because, you know, I was out just sniffing freights, man. I mean, that's all I care about. Um, but down here, you know, where I'm at now, it, it's a tough deal to bench. So, you know, when, when I have the time and I can do it, I do. Um, I follow a lot of stuff online, obviously. You know, I, I'm always on the websites looking at different benches from different people and different websites just to kind of see what's popping up. And um, I like it when I see the old stuff and when I see, you know, writers that are still doing their thing after all these years. So it's, it's kind of nice. It gives me satisfaction. So who are the, some of the writers who, well, I guess who, who do you see up a lot now? Whew. Well, you know, some of the stuff I see up now, I can't even decipher it, man. I can't even read it, <laughs> but, um, I've been noticing, I've been seeing a lot of much, um, stuff pop up. Um, and, and I mean, the guy's stuff's really incredible. I had the pleasure of meeting him, um, as well, but, um, you know, I, I see a lot of Quest, um, from up in Canada. I had a pleasure of meeting him as well. Um, Matt's a great guy, superior artist, just super talented. I mean, even outside of graffiti, um, really cool down to earth guy as well. Um, but, you know, I see a lot of, uh, well, Curse, I mean, K-E-R-S-E, right. um, Tons, tons of curse rates. Uh, I love his stuff. Um, see him a lot. Um, Orange, O-R-I-N-G-E. Um, hmm. Like I said, a lot of unreadable stuff. Um, but curse is probably someone that I see up a lot. That you know, I love his stuff. It's big. It's bold. The colors are great. Um, you know, it's simple. Very readable. Um, and, you know, that's what it takes. You know, when you're rolling down the track 60, 70 miles an hour, and I'm still looking at some crazy, you know, styled piece that looks like it should be on canvas, you know, a nice big bold semi straight letter piece, man, with banging colors is gonna get noticed before some craziness you can't read, you know. <laughs> well, so I mean he's definitely he's definitely got a winning formula. Nice. Okay, um so you may have already mentioned this, but when was the moniker born? When the moniker you- started um about late nineteen ninety six. Um is when I started the moniker, and it was really, really crude at first. Um, I actually had a moniker before the Kodak Kid that I had started um, when I first started dabbling in it, and it was before I really knew what I wanted to do. And um, when my boy Andy said that to me that day when we were looking at, at all my flicks, um, I knew right then, you know, okay, that's what I'm going to do, and I'm going to draw a roll film that's unraveling. And it was kind of funny because <clears throat> I started sketching that, and um, it wasn't too long after that, probably within like four or five months, um, I started seeing another roll film um, on freight. 
And uh, I knew Zine as a graph writer, but I didn't know he did a moniker. And um, then I was talking with Cav one day, and Cav's like, yeah, my boy, you know, Zine, yes, you know, he does a roll film type thing too and stuff. I'm like, really? I said, well, you know, I started doing this in like 1996, so, you know, <laughs> I guess it, you know, who who did it first, you know? Who, you know, who, who should it be? And uh, he was that guy I talked with him, you know, he, he doesn't worry about it because, you know, he really doesn't do that a whole lot. And, and so, you know, I stuck with it. I mean, um yeah, we both have a role of film, but they're very much different than, you know, um, you know, it's not like I bit off them or anything, but uh, it just, you know, it was like a direct symbol for me, like Kodak Kid, okay, Kodak, a role of film. How about an, you know, a raveling role of film? And um, that's what I stuck with. So I kind of think I own rights to that, so to speak. But uh, <laughs> that's when it started. And um, like I said, it was really crude. Um, like any any art, you know, um, you know, you start out, you, you're, you're painting or whatever, you know, your shit sucks. And, you know, a couple of years, you know, you're doing burners. And, uh, I look back at some of the older streaks and, uh, I laugh, you know, and you can definitely see the progression over the years of style to now. I kind of got it down to a nice flow and, you know, I like it and, um, I think it looks good. And, uh, you know, I get as many out there as I can. And, I'm I'm actually looking on your Flickr page right now. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, do you flick everything you do? Or do you still document um, everything with these? I, I try to, um, and some people think that's you know, um, some people think that's kind of uh, um, I don't know if you want egotistical or whatever. You know, I think oh, you know, he's all into himself or you know, self promo or whatever. But um, I, I like it both ways. I mean, I, I like to flick my stuff. When I do them, I mean, right after I, I, I do them, I flick them. Um, I like that for me because for me, um, my wife's always telling me, you should read, honey. You should read, you know. She reads every night, every day. I hate reading. Um, <laughs> for me, that's my book. Like, I can look back at my flicks and the quotes that I've written on them, and I can know, you know, it, it's kind of a way to read like my story, like how I was feeling different events in my life, um, whether I was up or down or bummed out or happy or, or whatever. It's kind of like a diary for me, you know, I kind of, it's a way for me to vent and express myself and kind of say what I want to say because, you know, growing up, obviously, in uh, foster homes, I never really, you know, I never really had a voice. I could never open my mouth, I could never complain, you know, whatever. And it used to, you know, drive me crazy. So this is a way for me to just, say whatever the hell I want. I don't write it for anybody but myself. It's kind of a way to talk to myself, you know, so to speak, and uh, find my way through things. So I try to flick mostly everything I do. Um, sometimes I don't, and, uh, you know, I, I enjoy, um, you know, finding stuff pop up on Flickr on 12-ounce, um, you know, that I never got a flick of. You know, it's kind of cool to see where they go. And it's weird because I get, like, some of the weirdest people that I would never think would flick you know, um, one of my monikers and send it to me. Hmm. I had a, had a girl on MySpace. Uh, she's like a 17, 18 year old, you know, field hockey player, straight up preppy girl. And <laughs> same thing, you know, she used to hang out in near the train yard with her friends and, uh, she saw it on the side of a greener and, uh, took a flick of it. And I don't know, somehow, some way, um, she messaged me on MySpace never even knew who I was, but found me on there through somebody and sent me a picture of it. Hey, I flicked this in Illinois. And I was like, oh, shit, you know. So, um, wow. you know, it's cool when people catch stuff and uh, send it to me. But uh, 
you know, I try to flick as most of it as I can, just to document it, basically. Yeah, I think last time we talked, you t- you described it as therapy. <laughs> Definitely for me, it's therapy. Um, you know, I, I enjoy um, a lot of things. You know, I, I love to ride motorcycle. Um, I love to fish, and uh, I don't get to do very much of those uh, two things anymore. But um, for me, you know, the biggest part for me is, like I said, it's just expression, being able to have a voice. Um, being able to say how I feel without, you know, fucking pissing somebody off, without insulting somebody. I can just, you know, write it out and uh, get it off my chest. And, uh, you know, it's a very addictive um, thing. And for me, it's very therapeutic. I mean, if I go too long without being able to get out on the rails and streak or even sea trains or railway tracks, I mean, I get cranky. You know, my wife will tell you, you know, I'm, I'm moody. And, you know, I need my therapy, I need my fix, and uh, it's definitely, I'm a whole, you know, when I'm cranky and stressed out and it's been a rough week or a rough couple weeks, I come back from spending a day or night, you know, I'm doing my thing and I'm like a totally different person, so, you know, and she'll tell me, she'll be like, uh, you know, it's about time you, uh, you know, get out to find some time to get out to the railroad track for something, because, you know, you're miserable. (laughs) And uh, I just really, uh, over the years, it it just gives me such a great feeling, um, you know, inside, just to be able to vent and, uh, you know, kind of a, an accomplishment, um, self-accomplishment. So, you know, it's kind of like my high and, you know, makes me feel good. So cool. Well, yeah, I could I, be doing a lot. I could be doing a lot worse things, you know, I could be on drugs or be an alcoholic, you know, to feel good, but this is what I do that makes me feel good. So nice. Well, I don't want to, um, get too personal with some of these, but, um, yeah, I'm, like I said, I'm on your flicker right now. And I'm curious what some of these are, uh, I guess, why you wrote them, kind of what they mean. Mm, go ahead, shoot. Fire um, away, man. I'll try and answer. Well, tell me about the Canada one. Canada one? What's the, what's the quote say? Okay, it says, I sure miss Canada. <laughs> yeah, it's got to say, it's got to be something about missing Canada. Um, I spent some time up in Montreal back in 2003. Um, actually went up there with uh, Exide, uh, Pen One from up Rochester, and uh, my boy Source, and uh, we went up there to an art show that Other um, was having, and um, was going up there to um, to the show, and uh, also to meet uh, the solo artists for the first time. Uh, we had been talking for years, but never got to meet. So um, everybody knew that he was going to be there except me. So they wanted to surprise me. So, um, anyway, um, you know, we got up there and, uh, you know, Canada's just, it's phenomenal. Montreal's really great. They have a great scene. Um, lots of writers, lots of really talented artists. And, uh, the freights up there were super chill. Um, really cool, you know, daytime, painting daytimes and stuff like that. All the guys, all the writers were really cool. I met a lot of the freight file uh, crew writers, uh, Reset, Here, Sems, Rez. Um, I met Quest up there at the show and uh solo and i got out and uh you know got to get our streak on and stuff and uh the food was great the people were great i mean i, I love canada and um you know i've uh talked with some people up there and you know when are you coming up again you know it's like god you know i, I miss canada i want to get up there so bad so uh for some reason the last couple of weeks talking with a lot of my friends canada's come up so uh that's what inspired me to write that that's cool yeah i see another one that says vancouver bound Yes. Yep. Vancouver bound, uh, Vancouver bound, 
I had a guy up in Canada uh, message me through Flickr a couple days ago. Uh, he's from Vancouver. Unfortunately, I don't think that those freights will be rolling to Vancouver, but it's possible because I think they're based out of Alberta. But um, I sent that as uh, Vancouver bound for him because uh, he said he hasn't had the pleasure of catching any of my streaks um, at all or in a while. So uh, I thought I'd send one out to him personalized and uh, maybe he'll catch it. Nice. So, uh, wow. Now I'm looking through all these. Um... There's quite a few. Yeah. <laughs> Separation always has its rewards. Separation? Oh, exploration, sorry. Exploration, yes. Exploration always has its rewards. Um, I'll give you an example, and I'm not going to mention any names, but um, <laughs> a Philly King um, uh, freight painter has been really um, kind of eager to get out and paint. And... Um, this guy used to smash freights like crazy. And uh, a friend of mine was talking to him the other day about it. And he's like, man, he's like, if you're a king, you know, if you're this or that, you got to get out there and, and, and go, you know, go out and find your freights. Why do you need someone to babysit you or someone to take you, man? If you, if you got that kind of status, man, you know, you should be able to get out there and just go find your trains and go do your thing. So um, exploration has its rewards for me is that... Um, you know, I've, you know, always been one to travel and try to find spots. And, uh, I mean, even if I met a two-mile walk, you know, I'd look places up and not be afraid to go walk or spend the gas money to go find them. So, um, exploration has its rewards. Basically means that if you do a little bit of exploring and you spend a little bit of time, I mean, the trains aren't going to fall right in your lap. Sometimes you got to go look for them. And, um, you know, exploration has its rewards sometimes, you know. Um, you know, I had a friend of mine out in, uh, Oregon actually years ago, it used to do the visual cancer website. Uh, his name is, uh, smile, uh, doesn't paint anymore. Kind of vanished. Um, he had told me about doing some exploration one time and, uh, some exploring and, uh, he found this layup out in the middle of nowhere in this pine forest, a single track of like 40 golden West service just sitting there. In the middle of nowhere. It wasn't accessible by like three miles off any trail. And um, he'd go out there in the weekends and camp without seeing a soul in sight and have 40, you know, Golden West GBSR cars to freaking paint to himself, you know. So exploration has its rewards, you know, and that's kind of what that means. I've been mean, hearing a lot of people crying about trains and their spots are dried up. Go out and explore, man. Go out and look. You're, you're bound to find something, you know. <laughs> So that's kind of what that what that phrase what that uh, phrase means. Cool. I'm I'm just gonna throw a few a few more sure. at you. Yep. She, she's a heartbreaker. Oh Jesus Lord. Okay, <laughs> that's personal. Okay. Um, that's, that's she's cool. a heartbreaker. No, no, that's cool. <laughs> she's, uh, I'm, hey, I'm an open book, man. Um, she's a heartbreaker. Um, my uh, my wife and I, you know, she kind of you know says some things sometimes that kind of you know. I'm, kind of a tough guy but at the same time I'm a pretty sensitive dude I mean we all are even the toughest guys have their have their moments and uh you know, a couple of weeks ago uh you know she was pretty out of control and it's a hormonal thing you know uh she's pregnant and you know we just had a baby girl on July 9th so uh you know this last couple of weeks were just real trying for her and you know she said a few things that hurt my feelings and you know told me you know get out go you know go go out paint trains or go do something you know 
I'm like, I don't paint trains anymore. I streak them, whatever. <laughs> just, just go out and do it. So, uh, that was one of the, uh, phrases I made sure to kind of, uh, you know, include in my, in my arsenal that day. Oh, cool. Well, congratulations, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Um, what about Ramblin' the documentary? Ramblin' the documentary. Well, for everybody that listens or know anybody that might be interested, uh, I met a guy about three years ago that called me out of the blue. kind of freaked me out because I thought he was a real cop. But uh, he contacted me about doing a documentary, wanted to know if I'd be in it. Well, you know, we talked briefly, and I said, well, you know, when you get the funding and it goes, you know, give me a ring. Well, two years later, he gave gives me a call, and, uh, hey, you know, you still remember me? And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, well, I got the funding, and, uh, you know, we'd like to come out and interview you. Well, I was a little sketchy, you know, at first, and wasn't really sure, you know, and uh, he told me that he was going to be doing an interview as well with uh, Colossus, uh, with Buzz. So uh, I'm like, oh, really? Okay. So um, I said, you know, I'll think about it. I'll let you know. So right away I got online with Buzz and asked him about it. Um, figured I had somebody, you know, to really check to see if this guy was legit, and uh, Buzz and I talked. And uh, so I felt good, and I called him back and told him, all right, man, you know, it's cool. Let's do it. So uh He's a uh, filmmaker out of Oklahoma, and uh, actually, I believe he's a professor and teaches at a university there, and he teaches audio and visual communications and stuff, and uh, he just has a love for monikers. He doesn't know anything about them, doesn't paint, you know, nothing. He just sees them and, you know, fell in love with them and uh, decided he wanted to do a documentary and learn about them. So, uh, to date, he has uh, an interview with me, an interview with Colossus, an interview with the Rambler, an interview with Smoke and Joe, and um, he's uh, got a couple other people that I, um, I referred him to to get in the documentary. But uh, basically, rambling the documentary, um, these guys came up here from Oklahoma and uh, spent a couple days here, and I uh, took them out and uh, you know showed them what I had around my area. Um, did some streaks for them, uh, gave them a couple shout-outs on uh, the box cars uh, with the paint sticks, and, uh, you know, did an interview at home, and, and that's it. So that's what that's what that uh, quote, quote means. So Ramblin' the Documentary is the name of the movie, and um, I can't tell you a release date because they have quite a few people to film yet, um, but I would say probably sometime next year it should be released. Cool. Um, what about, okay, last one, Keep the Secret. On the tank. Keep, keep the secret. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I don't know. Everybody must be paranoid these days because uh, people I've been talking to for the last couple, uh, the last couple days, everybody's like, keep it on the down low. Don't tell anybody. I mean, everybody that I've talked to um, about different things. Uh, a friend of mine I just talked to yesterday told me he's moving and he's going on a road trip. But keep that on the down low. I'm like, okay, I don't understand that, paranoid or, or what, you know. Um, and another guy tell me about a spot, you know, keep it a secret, man, I don't want anybody to know about it. And um, my wife was telling me uh, about two of her friends that she's not really friends with, didn't, she didn't really want them to know about the baby, so keep it a secret. And it's like, I've been bombarded by keep it a secret, don't tell anybody. So <laughs> um, it just was kind of echoing in the back of my mind as I was streaking freight, so that's what that pertains to. Nice. That's great. Um, okay, so um, you seem like one of the, well, it seems like you've embraced technology, like the whole internet thing. Yeah, um, yeah. And also, I mean, tell us about the transition from like 35 millimeter to a digital camera. 
<clears throat> well, I got to tell you, man, being a Kodak <laughs> kid <clears throat> from the beginning, I, I swore to God I would never go digital. Um, I shot film up into 2004, um, and I got my first digital camera and a um, little Canon S55 megapixel, and I hated it. And um, nothing beat having film, having paper, having, you know, a negative enlarged to look at and hold and touch and see. And, um, but when I would look back and go, man, you know, I have 40 some photo albums. I spent so much money developing film and I traded so much. So I was always getting doubles. And, um, you know, every time I got filmed about it was doubles right away. And sometime I'd have to go back and get reprints. And, um, you know, other people that I knew were shooting digital and stuff. And they're like, oh man, digital's great. You know, you just upload it, you email it, you this, you can edit it, you can this. If you don't like the picture, erase it, take it again. And uh, so, you know, I tried it and uh, I didn't like it. You know, I didn't really like it at first, but it grew on me because it was easy for me to go online, upload all the pictures on 12 hours. Bam, here's my post. This is my bench report. Um, when I was doing it with the 35 millimeter camera, you know, that means you got to scan every picture and that's a pain in the ass. And some of my posts, you know, were hundred or better pictures. So it would take me forever. Um, scan everything and put it on there. So, you know, I just, um, it took me a, a while to realize that, you know, the good with digital really outweighed, you know, um, you know, the stuff with the film. So, I mean, I got hooked and uh, now I shoot with a Nikon D80. And I mean, it's just beautiful. I mean, I'm, I can't even think of myself going back to film. So, cool. So, did you have the same ambivalence about the internet? Singing? Did you have the same ambivalence about the internet, the whole love-hate? Um, I, I did. Um, I, um, it's kind of funny because uh, I have a friend that had the same problem, actually. But uh, I, uh, for years, too, you know, I was like, you know, oh, God, computers, I'll never figure them out. You know, I, you know, i just not into that. And um, I got my first Dell, um, I think, in 99. Um, might have been 98. My first Dell computer. And... Uh, Surprisingly, um, I learned how to navigate and get around on a computer really quickly. And um, it just opened up like this whole other world, you know, because everything was through mail. You know, I'd sit there and, and, and just geek out and I couldn't wait to get a package from Baser again, you know, see his new rolling stock design or, you know, see whatever flicks he benched. And, you know, now it's like, bam, right through the email. And um, so, you know, it was, I just couldn't believe all you know, everything that's out there that you, you, you can see and, and get information on. And not even stuff that's graffiti or train related, just stuff in general. Um, but um, I think it's kind of, it, it, I think it's kind of just really saturated graffiti. I mean, it's just, there's so much online and it's, you know, it's just like a whole nother, another thing now. So, I mean, I think it was good for graffiti, but in some ways it's bad. Um, it's definitely great for networking. Um, and, and I mean, I'm on my computer several times a day, so um, it's a great way for me to network with other people. Um, so, you know, the transition was, you know, I was a little apprehensive at first, but I mean, once I got on and figured out how to operate it and everything else, I mean, I love it. And uh, in 2006, um, I got a, another Dell computer and, uh, you know, this thing's still super fast, running great, and, and I love it. And uh, my boy Faves was, you know, like me, oh my God, you know, screw computers, I'll never get, you know, computers and yada, yada, yada. And I just found out recently that um, 
you know, he's uh, got a computer and got an email and stuff. So uh, it's kind of cool because now I can, uh, you know, share pictures and all the benches and everything with him right over, you know, right over um, the computer versus uh, snail mail. Yeah, he still hasn't switched to a digital camera, though. <laughs> um, no, not that I'm aware of, no. We didn't really talk much about cameras when I was down there. Um, to, I've seen him quite a few times up in Philly and, and down in Miami when I went down there. Um, we didn't really talk a whole lot about cameras or what we're using. We mainly talked about flicks and benching and writers and, uh, you know, document documentaries and stuff, and books and videos and stuff like that, so. Cool. So, um... I guess one of the things I always like to hear about is is freight hopping stories. Well, I ain't got a whole lot of freight hopping stories to tell you, <laughs> but um, I've taken some short hops. Nothing that I'd even brag about because if you tell the average rail rider, even you know some of the young gutter punks, they'll laugh at you. Oh, that's not a ride. Um, I can tell you that I'm very much into um, hobo culture. Um, I have several friends that. Um, I mean, are bona fide old school hobos. Like, I mean, they look like they're out of like a thirties, um, movie. And, um, I, I constantly keep in contact with them when they're in my area. I meet up with them and stuff, but, um, you know, I've taken short rides from Allentown to Philly, Allentown to Reading, um, from Allentown up into Lehighton. Um, but, uh, nothing, you know, that I'd brag about, uh, like a lot of my friends, you know, have been all over the United States and up into Canada. Um, it's something that I've always wanted to do. Um, to me, you know, I, I've always pretty much been a loner most of my life. So for me to, you know, be riding around the country, you know, on a freight by myself is like no big deal for me. It's kind of a way to get away and kind of, you know, uh, find myself, do some soul searching. So, um, you know, my day's coming. Um, unfortunately, you know, I just had a, a baby. So, you know, I'm going to be down and out for a couple of years again. But I was just at that point where I'm like, you know what, um, it's about that time where I take a summer or so off and, uh, you know, go hit the rails. Um, a lot of my buddies been been bugging to get me out. But uh, now that we have a baby, um, my wife tells me when she's about three or four, she'll let me get out. So I got about another three or four years. Nice. But before I die, I, I plan <laughs> to spend, I, I plan to seriously spend like a good six months out riding rails and um, writing about the experience and uh, taking a lot of pictures and stuff like that. So, I mean, I definitely have a love for it, um, and I definitely network with a lot of people that ride. I mean, even younger kids, you know, um, and the older hobo, the old school guys. Um, been to a couple hobo conventions, so it's something that really interests me and I uh, really have a love and admiration for it. So you mentioned um, that you don't like to read, but that you, uh, I mean, do you write about stuff? Do you write? Um, no, I mean, I, I don't personally write about things, um, but I would like to write, um, you know, I, I am, have been contemplating about writing a book. I'm not sure about what yet, um, but um, I'll, I'm a fairly, really good writer from what my uh, my wife tells me. Um, but yeah, I hate to read, man. I hate to <laughs> Like I, I can't, I can't just sit up and you know curl up with a book and you know read. I just, I, don't know, I just it doesn't. I don't know. Maybe I just haven't read the right, you know, the right book yet. But uh, no, no, I hate to read, but I, I'm actually a really good writer. So I'm hoping, uh, you know, to be able to, you know, if I'm out riding, uh, you know, to write about my travels and, and who I meet and 
um, you know, what I'm getting out of the situation. So, yeah, that'd be great. Um, the hobo culture. I mean, how did they, I mean, you saw, I guess the transition where they started to, the two worlds kind of came together. I mean, as far as hobos and graffiti. Yeah. Um, well, I can tell you, you know, I have, um, but you know, most of it is from what I've been told. Um, most of the old school hobos, and I'm talking guys that, you know, for instance, one guy, you know, a guy was 86 years old. I mean, obviously he's not riding freights now, but, you know, he did through the depression area, um, you know, through the depression area and stuff. And uh, some of these other guys, you know, their 40s, 50s have been riding 20 years. Um, you know, for them, graffiti t- to them, they don't really care. I mean, a lot of these guys, you know, have a little, you know, nickname and stuff. They scrawl on freights and stuff, but um, they they kind of have a problem with it because what it does is it draws attention and makes yards hot, which in turn makes it hard for them because at one time they were, you know, they had run of the yard. I mean, railroad workers would pay them no mind. They'd help them out, tell them which freights, you know, were going where and what times and all that stuff. Um, some of them still have that luck, but you know, a good majority of them, they don't have that leisure anymore because, um, you know, kids that are going in and wrecking yards by painting them and stuff makes the yards hot, which brings the bull and the bulls on the lookout for anybody that's trespassing, including rail riders. So, um, it's kind of a love hate relationship, you know, they admire it, but at the same time, it makes it harder for them uh, to be able to do what they need to do. So, hmm. so what about the coexistence i guess of monikers and and pieces well i mean that's a that's another you know debate in itself i mean um everybody has their views on that to me you know monikers have been there long before aerosol was there i mean it's it's you know it's a fact that goes back to you know the 30s and 40s um you know when families and stuff that were riding freights around the country in search of work and, and a better life would write on freights to communicate with themselves as far as where the jobs were, where they were headed, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, there's a lot of documentation over the years about that. I mean, it's obviously been there before aerosol. Um, you know, the Rambler and stuff like that. I mean, they were streaking freights back in 68. Nobody was painting trains back in 68. Um, so, you know, I mean, everybody has their views on it. You know, aerosol's big. Um, you know, you're not going to do a moniker that big. So, you know, I'm going to take up the space on the train. You know, you, you can go, I can go bigger than you. I'm gonna, and, and there's a lot of respect that's lost. I mean, um, a lot of kids that are painting freights and they don't care, you know, they'll paint over anything. And you got some people that do respect that stuff and, and will go around it. I wouldn't expect anybody to go around my stuff. Um, but they have. And, and it's a very flattering feeling to me to know somebody shows that kind of respect to me to go around, uh, you know, one of my monikers. But, uh, you know, stuff like Herbie, I mean, you know, that's legendary, man. That's classic. And every day that goes by, they're getting harder and harder to find. And I don't even want to think about how many of them have been painted over. Um, and other people, too, that have passed away, like El Truncone, Waterbed Lou, um, stuff like that. So, I mean, I think... You know, it's a tough gig, man. I mean, you know, it's, um, you know, I, I don't think it's something that should be gone over. I mean, sometimes you're painting a freight at night. You can't see what's on that freight and you accidentally might go over something. But, uh, 
I think, uh, you know, it's been there long before aerosol, and I think, uh, you know, it should be given respect. There's way that you can incorporate and go around them and work them into your piece or whatever. I mean, I've done it myself, so, um, you know, I don't know what to say. Um, but I, lately I've been seeing monikers over pieces, so I guess it's payback. <laughs> um, well, perfect. No, that's great. Um, I guess for, for you personally, what was the best year for graffiti? The best year for graffiti on freights for me, ooh, I would say hmm, probably 19, I'd probably say 1995 for, for what I was seeing on the rails, uh, for quantity and quality. Uh, for me, as far as um, my own personal stuff, I would probably say 2000 is when I was at my, my peak. Um, when I was painting freights um, and, and really banging out, out quite a few of them. And that kind of subsided in around 2004 when I actually stopped painting them. Um, and I took a break for about two years. Uh, my family and I lost our home in a fire, so I was totally incapacitated. We lost everything we owned um, right down to the bricks. I mean, we had nothing. And uh, so for like two years, I didn't paint. And, um, I started making a comeback in like, uh, 07, did a couple in 08 and did a couple this year, but I'm so much encased and engulfed in the, in the moniker, um, that, you know, that's, that's, I mean, I can go out and do 60 monikers to one piece and I got 60, you know, 59 more things going. So for me, um, you know, I'm just so engulfed in that, that that's really all I want to do. And like to paint once in a while just to let people know I'm still around. Um, I've been around for a while and you know, I don't plan on going anywhere. So, Cool. <laughs> and one, one, th one thing I'll add too is, yeah. you know, for, for me, for my good year around 2000, uh, being at like the peak, um, at that time too, that's when graffiti for me was fun at that time. Um, there were lots of trains. There were lots of good trains. Um, it didn't seem like... Um, you know, the canvas was, you know, conglomerated with all this unreadable, chaotic crap that you see on the rails now. So, I mean, that was a great time for me. Um, I was traveling a lot. I was meeting a lot of different writers. Um, now, as the years went on, and, and I've heard this from several people that, you know, used to paint and paint a lot. They don't paint anymore. That it just didn't, it just wasn't fun anymore. Um, it became too much of a hassle um, to try and find freights to paint, to drive an hour, to show up somewhere and just find, you know, a hopper or a couple tankers, no boxcars. Um, I still run into that problem now. Um, you know, some spots have really dried up and, you know, obviously with the economy, the rail traffic slowed. So, you know, it's become less fun. It wasn't like it was back in those days. Um, you know, so, you know, 2000 was, was a good year for me. And uh, 2004 wasn't bad either, like the, like the early 2000s. <laughs> but um, nowadays, like now, I mean, I'm lucky if I paint 10 or 20 trains in a year um, with aerosol because, uh, you know, the time, finding the stuff, and, um, you know, having the motivation to do it. It's just, uh, I, I wouldn't say I've lost the love for it because I will always love graffiti. I will always want to paint trains, and I will always want to bench trains. But um, it, it's not a priority now like it was for me back through the late 90s and early 2000s. Cool. Well, I guess I guess out of 
um, personal curiosity, what do you think about websites, <laughs> especially websites about, you know, focused on trains? Um, I, I think it's, I, I think it's a good thing. Um, some of my friends will debate that, but, um, you know, I think, um, websites, um, you know, I think it's great. Uh, to some degree, I think it really gives some overexposure, but, um, for people that are coming up, I think it's great because it's almost a lesson too. They can learn, they can read stuff online about it and read what people write and stuff. And they can kind of learn where trains are going and what trains are, you know, there's just so much. I mean, you never stop learning about trains. Um, but I think it's great. Um, definitely a good way to network. Um, you know, I just, um, I hate when websites, um, you if can you're going to do something, <laughs> what's that? You could tell me it sucks. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I just, uh, I think, you know, some websites, you know, that if you're going to have a website like that and you keep it up to par and updated, that's great. Um, if you're just doing a website that's like hosting pictures, and if you have a forum and all that stuff, that's 10 times better. But like Visual Cancer back in the day, man, that site was hot. It had tons of freight. That site still online, but hasn't been touched in years. Yeah. Um, but I think it's great because, um, I mean, I even go on some rail, railroad sites that aren't even graffiti related. And I mean, they're phenomenal. I'm seeing rail cars that I'll never see here in Pennsylvania. Um, so it's kind of cool. And, and it, it, there's so much knowledge that you can learn um, about different cars and railroad companies. So, you know, I think it's a good thing. Um, you know, the more the merrier. I mean, the more you can learn, the more you'll know and the better equipped you'll be. You know, that's kind of how I look at it. So what are your what are some of your favorite sites outside of graffiti? Oh, outside of graffiti. I mean, um, about trains, but <laughs> oh, just about trains themselves. Yeah. Uh, Train related. Well, I have um, yeah, I have the uh, railroad forms um, and the railroad picture archives. Uh, those are like the two biggest. Um, I'm actually looking on my computer right now. Railroadpicturesarchives.net and railroadforms.com. Um, railroad picture archives, tons and tons and tons of pictures of rail cars. Actually, some of them have graffiti on the real fans. You know, you have some real fans that want to flick a car. They don't care what's on it, but they want to flick that car. Um, the railroad forms is actually a railroad form and, you know, just like any other form. Um, but there's cool things about this is that there's a lot of railroad employees on this railroad site, not just real fans. Um, so I mean, between those two, that's really all you need. I mean, you're, you're going to see pictures of all types of car. You can go to the um, different cars, find out how many cars they have in service, where the companies are based out of, um, short lines, regional, I mean, everything. Um, and the railroad forms um, is a great site for knowledge because you can actually talk to railroad employees. You can talk to rail fans. Um, you can, you know, learn about when the holiday train might be rolling through your town or Bonham Bailey train. Uh, the circus train. I mean, it's, I mean, there's so much information between them two sites. They're the only train sites um, that I go on that are not graffiti related. That's cool. Nice, man. Um, do you have a favorite car? Is there do a... I have a favorite car? Yeah. Well, I got to tell you, my favorite car back in the day were the Simplots, which were the JRSXs. Mm -hmm. And uh, there were white roofers. And uh, I don't care what anybody tells you or what you hear or what anybody says. When we started noticing that line coming into Allentown, we were getting them cars in the 6,000 series nonstop. There was an, an ounce of aerosol on those cars for a year or two. 
And my crew at that time, we owned that line, or as the Subway Kings would say, we king that line. We crushed the Simplots back in the days. And um, we didn't uh, see anything on them for uh, anything other than our stuff. And uh, now I'm starting to see them pop up with, you know, different people's, you know, they took a heavy hitting with the buff. I mean, they get buffed. But uh, lately I've been seeing them coming up with, uh, you know, a lot of new stuff on them. So I would say those Simplots, they were just a really great car to paint. But probably my favorite cars are probably the Golden West Serviced. Um, but my most favorite car of all, which I've only had the pleasure of painting one, is a Stockton Terminal Railroad car out of Stockton, California. And I believe it's an STE are the letters on it. And that is my all-time favorite car. Nice. That's so, great. Well, cool, man. Um, yeah, thanks a lot for the interview. This has been this has been a real pleasure. Do you have any um, anything you want to say to the, the audience? Um, well, you're certainly welcome. Thanks for the opportunity. Um, I would just like to you know thank people for the support. Um, you know, I, I'd like to thank you know all the people that I've had the pleasure of meeting over the years, and um, you know. Um, people that respect me for what I've done and what I've given to the culture, um, for the, you know, people that know me well. And, um, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, I always have a saying, long live the railroad. So hopefully, you know, 10 years from now, we'll still be able to get out there and do our things. Uh, I think the biggest key is uh, people, you know, trying to teach the young kids the rules of the game, so to speak, and uh, how things should be done. If you enjoy this and want to keep doing it, this is kind of the rules you got to play by. And um, it's tough because you can't control everybody all the time, and you're always going to have the toys that are out there fucking shit up for the rest of us. But, uh, you know, long live the railroad, man, and, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, 10, 20 years, I'll still be out there doing my thing. If I'm not painting them, I'll still be streaking them. So uh, I'm not, uh, you know, I don't plan on going anywhere for a long time. So Well said. Perfect. Well, thanks a lot, man. I really appreciate it. This has been... It's been a great interview. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thanks for the opportunity, man. And uh, like I say, keep it real and long live the railroad.